the word. Amen. The Bible says that it is, the, is, it is our daily bread. It is our daily bread. It, it's, it's what we need. It's a food for our soul, you know. So I get excited uh, when I get in the word. How many of you have ever gotten uh, discouraged in their lives? How many never get discouraged? How many know that even pastors get discouraged? I remember this week I had, I had a number of things where, you know, sometimes you get a day where the enemy just keeps, keeps knocking you down. I'm thinking, man, I'm in a funk. And I just, and I, I couldn't get out of it. I just felt very, very hard. Do I see David Griffith here? God bless you. I'm like, I know that guy. God bless you. Good to see you, brother. But anyway, it distracted me a minute, but I love you, bro. Good to see you. And you know, I'm sitting down just on my desk. And guess what? I open my Bible and I start reading it. And all of a sudden, something happens. Come on, something happens inside of me. Because the word of God brings life. Amen. The, it declares that the entrance of his word brings life. Amen. And today I believe that the entrance of God's word will bring life to us. Romans chapter 1 is where we're going to read from. Uh, for those who are new, we'd be, this year our theme has been... Come on, our theme has been? Easy to remember, go, you know. And really, uh, there's many times we've looked at the scripture uh, out of uh, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19, talking about Jesus asking his disciples to go into the world and make disciples of all nations. And that is what the Bible calls, or what we call the, the Great Commission. And, uh, and you see Jesus getting 12 disciples, and then there was about a, a 120 that, that, that came up on the first week that go out um, and begin to introduce this new thing called Christianity. And many times they were like a weird cult in the time because of those weirdos out there, a bunch of nobodies, not trained or anything, they were just following Jesus. And they completely changed the world in a matter of a very small time. Okay? And, uh, and, and then we, we move on to history and fast forward to now we leave. And there are some of the things that we see playing out in the, old, in, the, in, the, in the beginning, on the early stages of the church and Christianities that are, seem foreign to us. It's like, well, we read it, we don't see it all the time. And I believe that sometimes it's because we, met, we miss some of the first principles. First, first, we, we lost our purpose somewhere in between. We kind of got so busy with other things and we forgot the really thing that matters to God. Because you see some of the promises of the New Testament of Jesus, you hear things like Jesus saying, well, if you follow me, these signs and wonders will follow all those who believe that in my name they shall do such and such and such and such and such. But it always was following people's obedience, direct obedience to doing the first thing that's closest to the heart of God. Preaching. The, the gospel, sharing the message of the kingdom, making disciples. And so that's what God challenges at the beginning of the year, to go back to that very beginning. And now we've gone many different places with it, but I want to encourage you today as we continue in this message, I want to share with you a title of a message called uh, Re, um, My Generation, My Call. Come on, say that with me. My Generation, My Call. Sometimes... We could easily get distracted by things that are going on in our world and think that, you know, start hating our own generation. Or thinking of it as a hopeless situation. And I want us to change that mindset today. And I pray that the word of God will help you today to change that mindset. Because you were born in this generation, in this hour for a reason and for a purpose. 
God makes no mistakes. There are no accidental children. There are accidental parents, don't get me wrong, but there are no accidental children. And the Bible says that from the time before you were conceived in your mother's womb, God knew you. And he says that I know the plans that I have towards you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. And when we are born in a generation, it's not by accident that God puts us in this time, in this hour. Guess what? It's not an accident also that he's placed us in this city, in this hour. I look across the room and I've talked to different people that have different backgrounds, born in a different state, uh, moved from Guatemala, a kid from Nairobi, Kenya who had no idea what Lincoln, Nebraska was. I knew Omaha maybe. I had an uncle in Omaha if you believe it. Huh? But Lincoln, who knows Lincoln? But God had his own master plan like we said earlier. And you, my friend, are not an accident in sitting here today. God has a purpose, has a plan for your life. When we follow him, whoever follows in the pattern of God never loses, okay? Romans chapter 1, I'm going to pick it up from verse, I'm going to read, read a lot. Verse, um, let's start um, over at verse 16. Verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. So who? Everyone who believes, for the Jews first, also to the Greeks. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. May I say this, the life of serving God, a life of following God's will, is never lived without faith. In fact, the Bible puts it so clearly and says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if you want to please God in your life first, you start to live a life of faith. If I know it, if I have all the ducks in the row, if I can understand I have a plan, it might not be a faith life. It did not take me faith to wear my colored socks. I looked at them and said, you know, it's hard. It makes me happy. <laughs> it took no faith at all. <laughs> but a life of faith honors and pleases God. God is not at all impressed by our giftings, our talents. He gave us our gifts and our talents. He's not at all impressed by our accomplishment, how great we become. No, he gave us those things. But one thing that God gets impressed with is faith. Story in the Bible of Jesus who meets somebody and um, um, that wanted, it was a Roman centurion who wanted a servant that was so valuable, a worker that was so valuable to him that was very sick in bed, almost um, uh, to death. And he comes to Jesus and he knows Jesus is a servant of God and talks to him and says, hey, I, wa- I want you to heal my servant. And uh, Jesus says, hey, okay, cool, I'll come to your house. And he says, hey, 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 wait, wait a minute. You don't have to come to my house. I'm a soldier, I'm an officer. I have soldiers under me. I know how, what it is. I know the, I know the principle of command and, and response. And I know that all you got to do is speak your word. And my servant will be healed. And Jesus looks at the guy. He stops to say, wait a minute, dude. I go, he calls the 12 that has been with them all this time. They've seen all the things that Jesus said. He goes, you know what? I have not seen such faith as this man in all of Israel. In other words, he says, yeah, you've been my disciples for a number of years. And I still haven't been impressed. But this guy right here has impressed me. A life of faith is a life that pleases God. So, and here scripture says, even when it comes to sharing the gospel, 
We need to believe God as it were, at his word. Matthew, Matthew talks about, uh, 28, 19, talks about going and making disciples of all nations. And he says we should go there. And oftentimes, one thing that I'm met with, that people think, we start disqualifying ourselves. I don't know the Bible enough. I don't know da, 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 da. And we do not do it. Why? We don't believe God as it, at his word. He says when we do this, you know the last part of that verse says what? I will be with you always till the end of the age. The most important thing that you and I can have is the assurance of God's presence with us. Because when God's with me, I don't care where I have to go through. If I'm on the mountaintop, I praise him anyway. If I'm in the valley, I praise him anyway because I know even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't fear no evil for God is with me. Amen. So when he's with me, I can see any, I can go through a tough situation, but I know, you know, I know this is hard. I know God loves me. He cares for me. His plans for his for my life are good. The plans that he has for me, you know, at the end, all things come together for the good of those who love the Lord. I may not understand what I'm going through right now, but I know in the end, my God is good. I can trust him. I can put my faith in him and I know that he will never leave me. He will never forsake me. So he says, even as it relates to sharing the gospel, we need to believe God. As at his words. So let's keep on reading. Let's keep on reading. Where does stop? Verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and the unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth, suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what you may, what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and the Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became photo, photo, that's my Kenyan accent, you, you read it for yourself and determine how it's supposed to sound. In, the, in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Let me pause for a second here. There's a verse that says, a fool says in his heart, there is no God. It takes more faith to believe there is no God than to believe there is a God. You might not acknowledge or recognize Jesus Christ, Messiah, Son of God. But God says it's indebted in us to know that there is a creator. And the more even science advances and we get to understand even where we are placed in, the, in this great universe. And just the miracle of us sitting here in a globe that is spinning around right now. And have all the components necessary for life to exist and to sustain life. Don't take much to think, wow, what a masterpiece. And so God said, here Paul is saying that they know God. Don't dare tell me you don't know God. You can, you can label yourself an atheist, an agnostic, or whatever you need to label yourself. Inside we already recognize that God exists and there's a greater power. The problem, I think, that thought is generated by people that don't want to admit that. 
Because if you do acknowledge the existence of God, then you have to at least to some degree be accountable to God. And because I don't want to be accountable to no one, I have no one talk to me or say anything, I'm not going to submit myself to any authority. I'm just going to say, there is no God. That's a bunch of baloney. I make a doctrine out of that. And a new religion. I'm not religious, but I really believe there is no God. They are religion of man. Okay, here's what I'm trying to say. You don't need Jesus to know God. Oh, Pastor Solo, what are you teaching? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one knows the Father except through me. Yeah. No one knows the Father except through me. He didn't say no one knows God except through me. You can see the greatness of God. Go to the Grand Canyon. Go outside right now on the Great Plains and see. You will see the greatness of God. But Jesus introduces us to a new relationship. Not religion, not just a pure acknowledgement of God, but he gets us, introduces us to a place where God is no longer just God, the creator of the universe. God is our Father. So he is the way, the truth, and the life. And we come to know God, not just as incredible, magnificent, uncomprehendable, no words can describe him, but that God, the Holy, the Righteous One, the King of Angels Army, he is my Father. And he says, when I approach him, when I pray to him, I don't just go, oh God in heaven. I say, my father who art in heaven. He puts in us a spirit that says, the spirit of God puts us into a place where we are confirmed when we receive Jesus Christ. That we are the children of God in Romans. He says that the spirit of God bears witness with our souls that we are the children of God. So we know God through Jesus Christ introduces us to a new place. Of relating to God. No longer do we just practice religion. But we actually relate to God as our father. As he guides us through life. I have a father in heaven. I actually have two. My father in earth is in heaven. I have two fathers in heaven. But my incredible God is my father. The king is my father. I am from that family. And this world is not my home. You know sometimes we get so comfortable. On earth. We so get so comfortable with the way things are. You know, sometimes we need to press out of that comfort level. Many times when the scripture refers to our bodies, it uses the analogy of tents. It says that we are pilgrims in the land. We move from one place to place. We are, uh, we are on a journey. That's why we talk about destiny. Because we are always moving. But our end goal is not here. But when Jesus went to the Father, you know, he said that I'm going to the Father. And where I go... I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I will create a mansion for you. So it's more of a permanent home for us. Don't get too comfortable on planet Earth. What our mission is to get as many people out there with us. So that they can see the Father and enjoy the beauty of our King. Amen? Keep reading. Where are we at now? Help me out. 22. They're professing to be wise... Have you seen this many times lately? They became fools. Because a fool says in his heart, there is, help me out. It wasn't a trick. You're right. They became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into the image made like corruptible man. The birds and the four-footed animals, creeping things. Therefore, so let me, let me pause one more morning again there. You know, think, oh, well, I don't have carved images. I don't have all this stuff. 
You know, sometimes those images are not necessarily physical as they are figuratively. The, thing, the driving forces of our lives. If you heard last week's message, you know, the things that we adore. The things that cause us either panic or joy. And that needs to be the top, needs to, go, to be God. It's reserved only for the one only who is deserving of our praise and our worship. So, therefore, here's what God did. God gave them up to uncleanliness in the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their body among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped the served and created rather than the creator, who blessed who, the creator, by the way, who is blessed forevermore. Can I get an amen? amen? For us, for this reason, God gave them up to the vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what, uh, for what is against nature. Likewise, also men leaving their natural use of the woman and burdened in the lust of another. Men with men committing what is shameful and re- receiving themselves uh, receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And when, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, get God in the Supreme Court, God in the schools, God in the family, God in civil society, God in the classroom, God at church sometimes, God gave them over to the de- their debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evildoers. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, boastful, inventors of evil things, disobedient to their parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve those who practice them. Why do I read that scripture? Number one, it's the word of God. We don't cherry pick the Bible. We believe in the full word of God. But I say that because in light of what happened and the ruling with the Supreme Court, I'm not going to get all political, but I want to just get in the word and make a comment there. I am I, 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 I'm puzzled by Christians who seem surprised. We don't need to be surprised. It's very clear in the scripture that there is a natural progression of what things will be like. If we get in the word, we will realize that this is no surprise. Shouldn't be a surprise. Should we be disappointed? Absolutely. And you see back and say, let's speak on America a little bit. Well, took God out of the schools. No prayer in schools. That's where he started. And then drove us his way. And then this. Let me ask you a question. A very sincere question. They took God in, our, in the schools. Was that a good thing? It was a bad thing, wasn't it? But the God that we serve, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the, Lord God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, His name is Jehovah Shammah. He's not limited by distance. Whether in school or not in school, prayer shall still be going on. Because the clear scripture is so clear about how our nation is changed. 
They can kick us out of school. They can say we can't gather in this place anymore. It does not matter because our God is not limited by rules that are created by man. He says if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, seek my face. He says I will hear from heaven. I will forgive them their sins. I will heal their land. That's the word of the Lord, people. And the enemy is so good, he's so good at bringing discouragement and fear. He uses fear so much and intimidation. And it's a crippling thing. Think, oh my word, my life is over. Talking to a 16-year-old that something didn't go their way. And they're so mad at their parents. Everybody, leave me alone and talk to me. My life is over. You're 16. Your life hasn't even begun. <laughs> and then we get all panicking and afraid that things are falling apart. Things are not falling apart because the laws of men are intruding on our way of worship. That is a lie from the pit of hell. God is not limited by the laws and the rules of men. If it's a shocker, then it should be a wake-up call for the house of Jesus Christ to begin to call on the name of the Lord. Because when we call on the name of the Lord, He answers. When we call on the name of the Lord, He delivers. When we call on the name of the Lord, He says, those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Our question should be, what should be our response? You just woke up a sleeping giant. We're going to start fighting this war. We're going to get on our knees. We're going to start praying like never before. He says that we should pray without ceasing. I am yet to meet a person who has been met Jesus Christ, who fully surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and allowed God's Word to really speak into their lives and remain the same. Woo! Getting us back to square one. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say it very I'm going to say it very clearly. The most important thing that you and I can do is to be faithful stewards of what God's given us. And that is the gospel. Paul opens that whole statement by one thing. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jews, then to the Greeks. In it, uh uh-huh, In it, it's the gospel that changes lives. It is the gospel that changes family trees. It is the gospel that heals. It's the gospel that restores. It's the gospel that delivers. It is not a complicated thing. It is a simple thing. But let me not, let me make no mistake. Just because it's simple, don't underestimate its power. He says, it is the power of God that brings salvation. God had to make it simple so that everybody can receive it, no matter how educated you are, no matter how little you are. If you had make it complicated, my kids will not be saved. About four weeks ago, uh, no, no, like about a month and a half ago, my four-year-old came home so excited. Guess what? A class, they were doing the lesson. And she received Jesus Christ as a personal savior. She had a certificate showing, making the day. We framed that. We saved it. She's four years old. Maybe she won't even remember. But because we are saving that for her, 
She would say, I received Christ when I was four years old. I accepted his salvation. God had to make the message of the gospel simple so that it can be understood by all. We get all scared to serve even at the kids' ministry sometimes. Oh, well, we don't have patience for little children. The disciples didn't either. Jesus is preaching away, teaching, talking about some awesome things, and the kids keep wanting to get to Jesus. They want to sit on his lap as he's talking, blah, 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 and he says, get your kids out of here. Come on. I can't believe parents these days. They can't get their kids in order. They drive me nuts. You know, we like to travel the country with our, in our caravan and all the children of our household. And it's always funny when we walk into a restaurant. I think when we drive to Florida and we stop at different cities, we walk into a restaurant and we see um, the elderly couple, they're just kind of, you know, they're not looking at you straight. They're like really talking to each other and they're like, the eyes are like, woo, woo. And they're thinking, man, the restaurant is supposed to turn into a disaster. And we can tell what they're thinking. And then... (laughs) They finished eating. I was like, oh, they held their breath, held their breath. And they come back and say, oh, wow. They were surprised. They said, well, um, your kids are well behaved. We've had people pay our bill. I said, well, go, go, go buy kids. You know, I was like, wow, praise the Lord. You see, when they say children are a blessing, I tell you, sometimes <laughs> bills can be picked up, you know. And so... And so they, um, uh, the disciples go in and Jesus says, hey, listen, chill, people, relax. I've got to teach you a lesson here. Let me tell you about the kingdom of God. You see these little kids here? The kingdom of God is for such as this. So if you learn to be like that little child, good training for heaven. Simple, but yet Powerful. My life was impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I know many of you would say the same thing. When you really receive the gospel, it changed your perspective on life. It changed who you are. It changed your You'd start seeing life differently. And if you walk obedient to the gospel, God's not asking any more out of us. Because if we do, our lives will be a testimony. Okay? So... We see things happening about in our generation. We get frustrated. We get in a box. We find ourselves in stupid arguments that are going to amount to nothing. You're not going to convert someone to cross across the other thing, the other side. You're not going to. You're just going to get mad at each other. I tell you, when the gospel is preached, not everybody will receive. See? But those who do believe... They receive the power of God. So our job is always to preach. The job of conversion is God. And it could be as simple as just inviting someone next to church with you. And they hear the word of the Lord and God touches their heart. He moves them and they turn their lives together with Jesus. I was talking to a gentleman last week. I'd say he had to be probably in his 50s. And we're having a conversation. He had been at church. So, you know, his daughter, uh, a friend, invited his daughter to church a number of weeks ago. She came and she's getting her life back with God. And she invited her dad. Her dad came and says, you know, I haven't been to church since I was a kid. It's so good to be here. 
the gospel of Jesus Christ, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God that brings salvation from generation to generation. Every generation from the time Jesus spoke to the few that he was having conversation with 11, and he gives them the, the great commission, and they take Jesus at his word and they keep moving on. And, 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 and These guys were a bunch of nobody. They were not influential people. They didn't have the high jobs. They were a very, very, very small minority. Hated. They live under the rulership of the Roman Empire. Talk about oppressive government. And yet the gospel would not be hindered. The religious who knew the laws of Moses, who understand that there was a time a Messiah should come, and they knew the word, they would memorize this thing. They had the whole Old Testament. Uh, they would memorize punctuation points. They knew all the... And Jesus was right in the midst of them. They didn't see it. They become the biggest persecutors of the new movement called Christianity. So they, they go to the, 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 the people of, uh, of the world are oppressive. They go to the people of God. The ones that, you know, if I pose a mini, you know, let me just see what the Bible said. Because they know it and they have it. They keep their custodians of the word. And they, even them, persecuted them. And in the, within the first century, Christianity will rapidly grow, not just in a group of people in Jerusalem, but it will go all over Europe. It will go to Africa. It would go all over the place. No Facebook, no Twitter. No radio, no TV, nothing. The message will spread. And at one point, it would become the world's most dominant religion. Kings in all over Europe will turn the entire nation into a Christian nation. Because they got the power of the gospel introduced into their lives. That power resides in you and me today. The Spirit of the Lord, the same Spirit who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, Dwells in you. If you know Jesus as your Savior, if you accepted Him, He's in there, He's in there. The Spirit of God can quicken your heart, bring strength to your mortal body. He's in it. And so don't let the enemy use the external circumstances to bring discouragement in your word. Be like Timothy to start up the gifts of God that are in you that were imparted to you through the laying on of hands of the elders. Start up the gifts that are in you. Maybe you've got gifts in your life that have been dormant. They haven't been in use for so long. Start up the gifts that are in you. Because the God in you is greater than he that is in the world. Can I get an amen? It is true for every generation. I'll give you three, point, three thoughts about every generation. Okay? We don't need to react. We don't need to be shocked. We don't need to be afraid neither. And we don't need to hate our generation. But here's, a, here's what is true for every generation. All of us, all of us, number one, I think, uh, next slide. Every generation is called to reach its last. I, am not re- I was not responsible for the first century Christians. I'm not responsible if the Lord tarries for the year 2100 Christians. You are not either or neither. Kwame, you can correct my English. Neither. Was that right? We are created for this generation. We are created for now. 
if we don't see our generation as our, our responsibility, we will never really reach them. If we all look at the obstacles, oh, but you don't know. Uh, people hate God these days. They don't want that. Our kids are attacked all the time. He's, all, then we could crawl into our hole and never, never really reach any generation. The Bible says that everything that we see will end. Everything that we see will end. Either Jesus comes, the world ends, or you end. One, one of the two is inevitable. But the, people, the things that we could take out to the other side is the souls of men. And you might not be a great evangelist like Luis Pilao or Reynard Bonke or those Bill Graham or Joe Austin, those type of people, the rich masses. But you might just touch one person who touches another person, who touches another person, who touches another person. That's what most of us is, are, are going to do. But you don't know the little child that you touch the neighbor that you touch, the co-worker that you, when they're going through a hard time and you just be faithful to God for, to praying for them and reaching out to them and introducing them to a God that will bring comfort. God never says that when we go through the fire, he will snatch us out of the fire. He says, when I go through the fires, I will be with you. There are things that we find when it's like, why do I have to go through the fire? If you want to grow, you have to go through the fire. Because there's something about adversity that builds our character and our stomach to build and makes us better. When you have adversity going in your life, can I tell you a secret? Ask God, make me better out of this. And you know, if you don't go through, if you, if you don't learn the lesson you need to learn in that adversity, guess what? You're going to go through it again. And again. And again. And again. The Israelites did it for 40 years. And guess what? Sometimes, you know, the Bible says that those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Okay? It's a good thing to wait on the Lord. It's a bad thing for God to be waiting on you. I sat down and think, yeah, is God waiting on me to do something? I tell you, that's a, that's a, you don't want to be in that place. You know why? God's got all the time in the world. If he's waiting, you, you're just like, oh, I'm waiting on God. And God's like, no, I'm waiting. I've been waiting for you all along. You know, when you go around, do that, that, you know, when you come back, I'll be right here waiting for you. Guess what? It's an unfair advantage. He's got all the time in the world. And if you choose, because he doesn't violate you, the rights that he's given you, the freedom that he's given you, so he never invades your space. Jesus said, uh, the Holy Spirit is called a gentle spirit. God will never force you to do anything, but he hopes he'll put you through situations and circumstances and you come out of your own and say, God, you win. I want your will instead. And if you win at the end and you decide to live your whole life and never really get on God's plan, guess what? Another unfair advantage. He's got all the resources in the world. He'll just use somebody else. He'll just use somebody else. The generation that God would deliver from Egypt, the slaves from Egypt, that generation will never make it to the promised land that God gave them. They lived 40 years in the desert going through the same things over and over and over again, never to come to see the end. Guess what? I don't want God waiting on me. I would rather be waiting on the Lord. 
I'd rather be waiting on the Lord. If I'm going through a tough decision, I'm waiting. And I, I want to know that I'm waiting on the Lord because He makes all things beautiful in His time. If I wait, in, I know that He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. I don't understand. I don't quite understand why I'm not getting that promotion. Why things are not working out this way. Why my kids are not coming back. I don't understand it, but I'm going to continue to wait on the Lord. And every day He renews my strength. He says that we surmount us up with wings as eagles when we wait on Him. But I don't want Him to be waiting for me. Can I tell you something about the last days? There's going to be a great revival. There's going to be a great awakening. The Bible says that the latter rain shall be greater than this former rain. You read some stuff in the Bible and think that that was awesome. That was just epic. He says, you haven't seen nothing yet. Because the last days are going to be greater, the Bible says. He says in the last days, the prophet Joel, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, that your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall dream visions. God says he will pour out his spirit on all mankind. God, that is going to happen. Guess what? I want to ride on that wave. Because God's going to do it with or without me. I am just happy that he says, hey, Solo, do you want to be a part of it? Yes, Lord, I want to be a part of what you're doing on the earth. Now, you should be the same for you. He's going to do it anyway. So let's not wait. Let's not have God wait on us. Can we at least do that? We can wait on him. Let not him wait on us. And I tell you, if there are folks in Lincoln, Nebraska, Lincoln City Church, we decide, you know, we know what's going on in the world, but we're not, gonna, we're not afraid. We're all calling on the name of the Lord. They took prayer out of schools a long time ago, but they can't take prayer out of church. They can't take it out of church. Maybe they could on the church building, if that's it. But, you know, we start prayer and fasting tomorrow, by the way. And on Tuesday... And on Wednesday night, guess what? No one's stopping you on that. They could do all the laws that want to pass, but nothing is going to contain the movement of the gospel. Jesus says, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not even prevail against it. The church can never be destroyed by external forces, no matter how severe, no matter how hard they hit at us. The only thing that can destroy the church is from those that are within And so when we lose our focus, and the number one thing focus is really sharing the gospel, guess what happens? We get too bored. And we start nitpicking. Oh, well, that pastor solo, well, have you seen how he dresses? A good man of God needs to wear a robe. (laughs) I'm just kidding. You know, but what I was saying, what I was saying is this. My, My point is this. We get so worked up with the little things. We miss the whole reason and the whole purpose. We come in this place to worship God, to recharge. But we live our lives, our Christian life, way outside of these four walls. And if you will share, don't let a week go by without inviting, sharing, just bringing the gospel. Guess what? The scripture says it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. As you give, as you give out on the little that you have, you know, God multiplies, increases, makes you even stronger than you were before. One of the most most joyful things that a Christian can do 
is when they play a role in leading someone to the Lord and seeing their, 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 their person come and change and their lives being transformed. Sometimes you lead someone to the Lord and they even pass you up because God had some different purpose in their lives. And it's just so awesome. Wow, I played a role in shaping their faith. And look what God has done in their lives. That brings a lot of joy. That job is not for pastors. It's not for apostles. It's not for those that have studied this whole thing. It's actually for every believer. You might have been a Christian for so long, or maybe you just started in your walk with God, and just maybe this year, or maybe even this week, maybe even today, you say, you know what? I, 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 I'm deciding to follow God. But all of us, no matter where we are in our walk with God, can influence another person and at least help them get to the next step in their walk with God. And we stay active doing that. Guess what? You do not miss out because God pours more blessing to the giver. The giver gets more blessed than the receiver. That's just a principle in God's, in God's kingdom. Now, a lie is that evil, the evil that we see in the world is not unique to our situation. I'm going to pick on the gay and all that going on because that's been what's hitting the internet the last few weeks. Oh, in this, I love it when they say in this sophisticated society, in 2015, we ought to be more civilized than that. And, and, you know, it is not a new phenomenon, my friends. 5,000 years ago, in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, it was like nothing new times of Noah. Nothing new. Don't be deceived in thinking that this is a new phenomenon. It isn't. When sin entered the world, people began to invent new ways of doing sin and it's like a bad bacteria that just keep mutating, creating, innovating. But the Solomon in Ecclesiastes says there is nothing new under the sun. Nada. Nada. Nada, nada. Hey, I'm speaking in Spanish too. You know, there's nothing new under the sun. It's not our brilliance and our enlightenment that actually has brought absolutely nothing. I can show you from Genesis chapter 6. The sixth chapter in the whole Bible is addressing the same things we're dealing with now. It's not our sophistication that brings that. It's not. So don't get intimidated and get into sideshows. You get in what you know. The gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what the gospel is? It's a good news. Don't be a bad newser. Just bring the good news. Don't get all sidetracked. Just bring the good news. You know what will bring men to repentance? The Bible says it's not the wrath of God that brings people to repentance. It's not the anger and the vengeance of God. It says the love of God draws men unto repentance. You love God. You love people, you preach the gospel in purity and simplicity. Oh, watch God do what God does best. He changes lives, he blesses, he changes families. He changes people, he delivers, he sets free. He gives you a brand new beginning. He says that when you come to Christ, you are a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. It's a newness of life. He brings newness of life. You are old and tired. You go back in his presence. He brings newness. He renews your sense of energy. He's He's a refresher. So don't, don't all get caught up like, oh, well, I've got to preach. No, preach the good news. The good news of Jesus Christ. You know what Apostle Paul said once? He said, you know, after all the things he had done and accomplished, he said, you know, I purport to know nothing among you. Nothing. Except one thing. Jesus Christ and him being crucified. That all. It's like, 
If you had everything I said and forgot it. Jesus Christ and him being crucified. Just a simple message of the gospel. Because that is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone that responds in faith. Amen. Last, uh, third one is God has equipped us with everything we need to reach our generation. Say that with me. And put your name there. God has equipped me with everything I need to reach my generation. Can we say that one more time? God has equipped me with everything I need to reach my generation. What are we waiting for? Nothing. Because it's in you. It's in you. Come on. It's in you. Don't wait for something else to add to your value. Do you realize that all the apostles and all the believers, and I've said this before, of the New Testament, they did not have the New Testament as we know it? The first generation of Christians, they didn't have the New Testament. They were living it, and some of them were writing it. They were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ from the books of the Old Testament. Paul, the apostle, penned by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the book of Romans that we just read read from. 21 years after his salvation. Some of you in this room have been saved longer than Paul was when he penned those. And it says of God that he's not a respecter of persons. Don't love, doesn't love Paul more than he loves me. Doesn't love Paul more than he loves Psalms or Lewis or Bruce or anybody else. Loves is the same. He gives us everything we need. He says that I've given you everything you need that pertain to life and godliness. He gives us everything we need. A couple of evils in our generation that we need to be careful about, especially in our culture here, the Western culture, we're driven by entertainment and media. I was thinking, oh boy, I watched Fox News today, I watched CNN and Sigurd Ball and said, you know those things can get you worked up sometimes? They can, sometimes just you know, shut it off. Come on, shut it off. Because their mission is not to preach the gospel. They, one side might agree a lot with you than the other, but they are also running a business. And if you're worked up a little bit, the business does very well. Even the stock market has a fear index. And it's an indicator of how things will be. It's like, well, hey, the fear index is here. Hey, let's pull my money out. Bond, 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 bond now. Oh, the fear index is low. Hey, hey, hey. I could go into, I could dive into the deep. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. The enemy uses fear all the time to keep us sitting down, to keep us from even launching into our dreams and the vision and the purposes of God. You're so afraid about uh, even who you were. How, how, how would I interview for that job? Oh, what do I call? He says, those who know their God, they are strong and they shall do mighty exploits. I don't fear no man, I fear God. And because I'm a child of God, it doesn't matter. My identity is not come from people. My validation from God, from God, my creator, who, who sat down and, and, and mapped out my life. And so constantly I'm trying to realign my life with what his perfect plan for my life. Amen? In closing, three last thoughts for closing, okay? What do we do from here? Number one, 
We need to love our generation. Come on. Love our generation. We love God. We love people. You can't reach a generation that you don't love. I was having a conversation with a um, seasoned person. And we were talking and say, well, you know, um, uh, uh, that's a more political correct way. I say, a person that was older than me by a number of years. And we were just talking about, and they were talking about their generation and how, what they had to face with, you know, even in sharing things. I said, but if you go, well, you know, this is worse than I've ever seen it. We could go there and say, you know, really? Is it really? Is it really? And we think about that, maybe not true. Because there's a time we in America followed more Christian principles. But those are the times where my wife and I would not be married. Am I speaking the truth or what? So maybe we were just better at managing our behavior and how it looks on the outside. But not so much. Paul, in what we read, outlines so many different areas of sin. Some of them can tend to be more on your face. And some of them are more subtle. And when we follow Christ and being transformed by the, the, the fruit that comes out of our life is what we see in Galatians chapter 5, the fruits of the Spirit. Righteousness, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control upon all these things. You know what I mean? People have always struggled with sin. The problems you have in the world, they are sin problems. They're not human problems. They are sin problems. And we cannot solve sin problems even no matter what, pro- what program we create out of our own wisdom. We cannot solve sin problems. Guess what? There's only one remedy for sin. <laughs> one remedy. On that raggedy cross, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Whether it's the sin on your face or the sin that's hidden. Only one thing can make us clean and righteous before the Lord. It's the blood of Jesus. And that's why I love the church. That's why I love our church too. It's because of the blood of Jesus. Then people can come from any background. It doesn't matter where you grew up, how you look like, what you talk like, how wealthy, how poor. It doesn't matter when we are all being washed by the blood of Jesus. We are one body in Christ. The only thing that answers the problems of the world is Jesus. The only one that can solve it's Jesus. We can pour money into it and it won't change because it's not, it's not, again, just a human problem. It's a sin problem. And Jesus is the answer. Amen? Aren't you glad you know Jesus? Amen? Number two and three, put them up together so I can wrap this thing up. Fight the spiritual warfare. Understand the nature of the war that we fight in. Don't put, when things happen, put your ammunition right. But the right kind of ammunition, you got into the spiritual warfare. The Bible says the fight that we fight, you say, we do not fight flesh and blood. <laughs> we fight in the spiritual realm. We get on our knees, we fast, we pray. The Bible says that sometimes, some things will never be broken unless through prayer and fasting. We just want to say, dear God, amen, and we want hope it would go away. And God says, no, 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 that's not going to cut it. Daniel would pray one day. Daniel would pray and ask God for something. And he would pray 
And the first day, and he sets himself a day, to, and he fasts for 21 days. And later on, he would get the revelation of what was happening. He would pray, and nothing would happen. But he keeps on praying. He goes one day. He keeps on pressing. He keeps on going. 21 days, and the revelation is revealed later. And the angel of the Lord appears to Daniel and says, Hey, Daniel, the very first day you began to pray, God had your prayer. And he sent me to deliver the goodies to you. And guess what? As I was coming, the prince of Persia, now he's talking in the spiritual realm, will beat me up. He will block me. He'll make that I will not get it to you. And I had to go back and send reinforcement. And the archangel uh, Michael would ca- came and says, got the job done. And here you are, 21 days later from when you started praying. We pray the first day, nothing happens, and we give up. Oh, God has really forgotten me. We need to be cognizant that there's much more than what is seen. There's invisible forces that go around in the world that influence people to work in certain ways. And so when we begin to pull our ammunitions, don't just shout on people. They might have run you over at the red light. You don't have to give them the peace of your mind. You can just say, hey, thank you, Jesus. I'm safe. I'm alive. I'm getting home. It might be 30 seconds later, but I'm getting home anyway, and I thank God. Amen? Come on, let's stand up and worship God. I will, the other point, will, you get it. You give to the gospel. You start giving to the gospel like crazy. Do you know that this building was built by half the number of people in here today? People were giving. You see the greater picture. The body of Christ. We need to, if you haven't started giving to the gospel, if you're not giving tithe, that's one way you're saying, you know what, Satan? I'm going to be a giver. I'm investing in the things of God. I'm giving towards the, 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 uh, the gospel. I know we're starting a new church. These folks came in, even from Guatemala. Guess what? It does take money to, to, to run things. It's going to cost us money to go to Crete. It's not going to be free. They're not going to, well, maybe someone would give us something. Maybe someone would give us a building. But if no one gives us a building, we're going to pay for a building. One or the other is going to cost something. But guess what? It's the generosity of people seeing the greater thing and building. Generation after generation, people have given to the gospel, and we enjoy today the message being preached here today in this nice building because people give to the gospel. See, you invest in the heavenly. And God bless your earthly. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the word of God. Thank you that you are a faithful God. Thank you from the ages of time, you are God. You reign from generation to generation. You've created us in this season, in this time, in this hour. You placed us in this city, the great city of Lincoln, Nebraska. And even connected us in this local body of Lincoln City Church. We want our mission to be your mission. Help us, God, for where we have gone off focus and gotten distracted. Help us, Lord, to focus. Let the Spirit of God anoint us afresh to begin to rise up and love our generation and reach our generation and let this generation know that you are God. Help me, God. Help us, God. Begin to pray.
That's where you are. If you need God to help you, just ask God to touch you. He wants to hear you. Ask God to touch you. To use it significantly this week. To use it significantly in life. Let this be a day where you begin to, 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 to just um, have a new beginning with God. Maybe you've had fear in your life. Maybe you've been discouraged. Maybe things are not going well in your marriage. Or things are not going well with your kids. We can leave those in God's hands. And we, as we purpose to focus on what matters to God, He lines up. He lines up blessings in your life. And I pray right now, Lord, that you begin to answer prayers that have been prayed in the secret place, oh God. You know needs, you know things that people need. And God, I just pray for the windows of heaven to be open over your church right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In that attitude of prayer, every eye closed in the presence of God. You might be here today and you haven't asked Jesus into your life yet. You're not saved. You're not born again. If you are to die today, you don't even know. You're not sure if you'll go to heaven or not. Maybe you think you'll go to heaven, but you're not sure. God wants to give you a new beginning. The first step is opening your heart to Jesus Christ. I want you to raise your hand and I'm going to pray a special prayer just for you. If you want to give your heart to Jesus today and have a fresh beginning with God today. Raise your hand. I'll see you. I have my eyes open. I just want to acknowledge you and pray for you. Anybody? And maybe you've known God before. 